the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, which always tells us that we are just beyond, barely beyond the halfway mark of our journey with our Lord Jesus Christ with Him through these 40 days of Lent in this great and holy season. And in his wisdom, always at this time, as we're looking at the conclusion now of our journey through Lent, in the wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us a Sunday that is intended to be great encouragement for us toward the rest of this journey. The refreshment that truly comes as we remember not just one of our Christian duties, but that should be a response of our very soul to all that God has done for us. The refreshment that comes from rejoicing in the Lord. For the Mass itself today is named that. The Latin name is Latare. The Latin word meaning to lift up your rejoicing, to rejoice. And if we had rose-colored vestments, today we would wear them to remind us that our Lord, His burden, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Let's journey with Him. The rest of this way. And so what is it that is to be our focus of our rejoicing on this day? Not just to carry us through the rest of Lent, but truly to rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ. The focus comes all through the Mass and even in Matins and the Scriptures that we heard. Because the focus is that our Lord Jesus Christ is the bread of life. That feeds us all that he is to heal our soul, to bring us to himself that we might be with him eternally. We hear the words in Exodus from Matins today about the bread of life as God would provide manna in the desert. And that manna would sustain the life of his people as they would journey with him through that wilderness experience. And we see it again in the Gospel of St. John today. When our Lord Jesus Christ, who had people that had been with him for days as he taught them, were extraordinarily hungry. And our Lord would be the bread of life for them as he would take a very insufficient amount of bread and break it and sustain their lives, miraculously giving them strength for the rest of the time that they would have with him. And I tell you that when we see this, when we see Jesus Christ taking this limited amount of bread Blessing it, giving thanks for it, and miraculously feeding and sustaining and strengthening a people. My friends, we see the Eucharist unveiled right in front of us. So let's look at the Gospel of St. John. His witness of the feeding of the 5,000 so we can see how we're to be encouraged to rejoice in the goodness of Christ, the Good Shepherd, and the Bread of Life. You know, in all of the Gospels, or at least in most of the Gospels, we find just before the feeding of the 5,000 that our Lord Jesus Christ had been teaching them for days. And what we need to see is that when we see Jesus teaching them for days and then bringing them to the mountain from which he would take bread and feed them that would sustain them in that time, my friends, you see the unfolding of the divine liturgy of heaven and what are the two parts of the liturgy? The first part of the liturgy is the liturgy of the Word, where we hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
teaching us through scripture and homilies, but it is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ for us, preparing us, bringing us to himself at this wonderful table, this honorable table where our Lord will feed us of himself. And so look at what happens in the liturgy, this living liturgy of the word that would take place and Jesus would teach these people. It says that after he was done teaching them and doing signs and wonders among them, he and his disciples got into a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. What did the people do? They followed him all around the shore. And if you've ever been, if anybody's been to Israel, I've been and been on the Sea of Galilee, you can see every shore around you. And I could just picture those people following him as he and his disciples would sail across the Sea of Galilee. Why were they following him? Because in the liturgy of the word, when Christ our God, the word of God, was teaching them the things of the kingdom and salvation, their hearts were burning. So much so that they yearned so much for more of him. That even in the weakness of having not eaten, they follow him, they pursue him even. To get to him on the other side. And our Lord crosses the other side. And he leads his disciples up the mountain. And this image, my friends, of God on the mountain and the people coming to him is as old as old can get in the Old Covenant, as well as expressed all throughout the New Covenant. This scene of God being on the mountain and meeting with his people. In fact, the prophet Isaiah would prophesy with the words of God about these latter days that we're in now. When Isaiah would speak this. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. I tell you the very structure of the Christian place of worship. All of our temples are designed from exactly what we heard there and what we see in this gospel reading. For his people to come to Christ on the mountain and receive for him. For have a look at just where we are. What is the scene? Here we are, the people of God. And where is this blessed table set before us? It's elevated. And while we are assured that our Lord Jesus Christ so condescends to come and be with us, to be present with us, to fellowship with us, he is also here to draw us up the mountain to him. Because, my friends, this indeed is the entire Christian walk and journey with Christ of salvation. It is a journey of ascension. It is always a journey of ascension where our Lord is reaching his hand down to us to bring us out of the brokenness and the lowliness of the condition of our souls left over from the state of the fall of man. And to bring us up to where he is much like he brought Peter out of those tumultuous waters. And as long as Peter set his sights on Christ, he went up to where the Lord was out of the turmoil, out of the chaos. This is our Christian worship as we come to him. And as we come to him by invitation, one of the things that's the most comforting to me, and we even see it in this gospel, is that our Lord Jesus Christ absolutely already knows everything that we need, 
before we come to Him. And He purposes Himself to give us precisely what we need for our life and strength and salvation. We see this in verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up His eyes and seeing the great multitude coming toward Him, He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this He said to test Him, for He Himself already knew what He was going to do. He knew of the people's hunger. He knew precisely what they needed. And he already knew precisely how to fill that need. Before you get in the car to come to this place. The good shepherd of your soul. The lover of your soul. Knows precisely all that you lack. He knows everything that you need. He knows your brokenness. He knows the pain that you may be in, the confusion, the anxieties that come from this life, the void within you that can only be filled by Him. He knows it all. And He comes to offer Himself so perfectly to fill that place. We hear this at the very beginning of Mass. We're reminded of this truth in the very collect of purity. When you hear prayed, and you should pray as well with the priest. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. In other words, it's the point in the Mass where I like to say we stop playing games with our Lord. You know it all. Who are we fooling by not bringing it to you so that you can come and fill the deepest parts of us that so long to have themselves settled with and peace brought to us. The only real question really is that. Because we know in truth that our Lord comes to meet with us. And feed us himself. So that we find healing of soul and mind and being. The only real question is. Will we come authentically. And offer those very things to him. Do we not say in the mass. And here we offer ourselves. A part of offering ourselves is offering the brokenness that we know we have a need for him to fill. That's the question. You know, before our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and would do this wondrous miracle to feed the 5,000, that's just men plus women and children, the writer of this apostle, St. John, if you're reading this, there's one sentence that he says that we scoot by as if he's just simply being descriptive. But let's look at this. In verse 10 it says, Then Jesus said, as he's preparing to feed them, Make them sit down. And here's the sentence. Now there was much grass in the place. And then he goes on to say, So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now why is the Apostle St. John mentioning that there is much grass in this place? It seems like just an extra. It's a nice descriptive, but it seems just extra. The church fathers say it's not. They say we need to attend to something that the Apostle John is revealing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, something the Lord Jesus Christ was revealing about himself on that day. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is being revealed as the good shepherd of every soul. It's hearkening back to the 23rd Psalm. Listen. The Lord is my shepherd. And Lord is always capitalized because it's the most holy name of God, Yahweh. The one he gave to Moses at the burning bush. Yahweh, the great I am, 
the one who spoke everything to existence just with his mouth and the one who holds it all together within himself. He is the one who is my shepherd. I shall not want. These people were hungry and they came to Christ. They would not leave wanting because they came to the one who is the bread of life that would satisfy their very need. And what does it say? He leads me. He leads me to green pastures, a place where we can rest in the presence of the shepherd, a place where we can feed and have all we need for the next journey to the next place of green pastures. This is who our shepherd is. He goes on to say in the psalm, this is the one who restores my soul. He provides for me a table, it says in the psalm. A table, and for us, a table right here. What is the table that the bread of life provides for us as we gather together? It's the table of His mercy. It's the table of His great grace, His divine power. It's the table of eternal life. He led them as a shepherd to the mountain. They sat in green pastures and would be fulfilled by what He would provide for them. And so now we come to the miraculous feeding of the bread of life to these people. Now let's remember that what Jesus does with an insufficient amount of bread and a few fish that illuminates for us what he does every time we gather together. In verse 11 it says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, a few of the gospels said when he had blessed. When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples distributed it to the people. Our Lord took the bread, and by his thanksgiving, by his blessing, this insufficient amount of bread became everything sufficient for the people that he would feed and satisfy, sustaining their lives, building strength within them. This is not what our Lord Jesus Christ does. Every time we, as the people of God, offer him bread and wine, in and of itself, my friends, bread and wine cannot bring grace to you. Bread and wine cannot bring healing to you. Bread and wine cannot bring forgiveness of sins and ease of conscience and peace restored to the soul. But let Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life, take the bread and wine and let him raise it and bless it. And it becomes all of that for us. That he might serve us all that he is and the blessedness of his kingdom. Listen to what our Lord Jesus Christ would say in that same gospel. After he had fed the 5,000 about he, how he is the bread of life for you, for me. And Jesus said to them, and I've just put together a number of his statements. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. I say to you, Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. 
He who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me, and I in him. He says all of this as he miraculously feeds and sustains the thousands. This is who our Lord is. How does this bring us to rejoicing? I hope you've gotten some glimpses along the way, but let me offer you two thoughts. When I look at what God does in Christ, every way that Jesus Christ responds to the people around him and in this scene in John chapter 6, it points to one truth. God desires you. He desires you in absolutely every avenue of your brokenness and frailties, in the depth of your sin. This God comes to you to meet you in it and bring you out of it. He does not wait for you to be holy, to come to you. And the scriptures are very clear that while we were yet sinners, deeped in sin from the illness of our soul, he came to us. He desires you to come to him that your needs may be filled. And the second thing is this. Think about this when it comes to Eucharist. All of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, his body broken to give you life, his blood shed to wash away your sins and to ease your burdened conscience, his resurrection, defeating death and bestowing eternal life upon us all. Every bit of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ is poured into the Eucharist and given to us every time we come. If we have our minds on that, in faith and knowing, perhaps I should say in faithful knowing, when our hearts are set on that, how can we not receive it and go away with great rejoicing? Because we have brought the depth of our need to the lover of our soul, and he comes to meet us because he loves us. This is why we come. This is why we rejoice in the reality that your Lord is your bread of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.